groups and what a blessing that is. Let's take our Bibles this morning and we're going to be in John chapter 15. Uh, John chapter 15. And uh, I was, of course, uh, praying about the message the Lord wanted, to, wanted me to bring this morning. And, of course, this uh, obviously is the... Uh, Sunday before uh, you know Valentine's Day, right? Oh, we got all the red going on. We got all the uh, uh, Valentine love in the air, right? And all that kind of stuff going on. It's also obviously a Sunday of Missions Emphasis Month, and I got to thinking about those two subjects, love and and missions. And you know what? Truth be told, they go together, amen. And so I'm going to bring you a message this morning uh, about both these together, both these subjects, love and mission put together, and here's the title of the message, The Greatest Loving Missionary Ever. The Greatest Loving Missionary Ever. If you find your place, stand with me, John chapter 15, and we're going to begin reading in verse 9, and uh, notice here uh, the things that our Savior says. Jesus said, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. By the way, we could just stop right there and preach a whole message on that. Amen? Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ loves us? Aren't you thankful the Father loves us this morning? Amen? Notice what He says, Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now notice here, Jesus is talking a lot about love. And then he goes into what it means to love. Verse 13 again, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And then look at verse 16. Here's where it ties into missions. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whosoever ye shall ask of my, whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that ye love one another. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for it, God. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Lord, the reason we love you is because you first loved us. And Lord, as we look at these two wonderful truths today, Lord, married together, and no doubt, Lord, they're the same. Uh, Lord, uh, love and missions put together. I pray you'd speak to us, God, and, and I pray you'd help us, Lord, and I pray you'd teach us some things that we need to hear to make us better for you. And Lord, if there's someone here today that's not saved, I pray that they would accept your eternal great love before it's, before it's too late, Lord. Bless us, we pray now, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The greatest loving missionary ever. Now, we've got some great missionaries that we support. We've got some great missionaries that uh, we've met that we're going to have come through here, that will come through here. We'll probably even have some more uh, throughout the year that was not necessarily part of Missions Emphasis Month. And you know what? It's a privilege to know those dear folk. Amen? It's a privilege. And uh, there, there is some, uh, and I don't just throw this word out, there are some great missionaries that, uh, out there. But this morning, I want to talk about the greatest, amen, the greatest loving missionary ever. 
And before you even wonder who that is, I think you know who it is. Amen. You know who it is, right? You know who it is, church? And how, how could we not talk for just a few moments this morning about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? By the way, Jesus is our ultimate example. The ultimate goal in the Christian life is to be like Jesus. Amen? And by the way, uh, uh, that's my job as a preacher is to point you to Him. And I want you to walk out of here not saying, man, uh, what, what, what a message, what a preacher. I want you to walk out of here saying, what a Savior. Amen? Because He's what this thing's about. It's all about the Savior. Amen? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And let me tell you what the goal, uh, my personal goal as a pastor is, is to lift up Christ. Amen? So let's lift Him up for a few moments this morning. Let's preach about Him. Let's talk about the greatest loving missionary ever. Let me give you several things. First of all, number one, Jesus, the reason He is the greatest loving missionary ever is that He left the comforts of His home to go where the need was. He left the comforts of His home to go where the need was. Take your Bible, flip back a couple chapters, back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You know, we saw it there in verse 16, and we read all through there in, uh, in John chapter 15 about the love that God has for us and the love we had to one, uh, have one for another. And then you saw the word there in verse uh, 16, and that was to go. Amen? To go. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus did for us. Notice what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Amen? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? Let me just stop and say this. Without a doubt, the Scripture emphatically teaches that Jesus Christ was and is the very Son of God and is God Himself. Amen? Alright, let me tell you, that's, that's one of the um, ways you can tell if a person is caught into a cult or not. Most cults do not believe and teach that Jesus Christ is God. Amen? And let me tell you, He is God. God. He always will be God, and He was the Word. Amen. I love, I love the terminology, capital W-O-R-D, the Word. The same was in the beginning with God. So Jesus Christ, uh, before God even created the world, was God, the Word, in heaven with the Father. Amen. And so that's where He was at. And But no, notice here, look down at verse 14. So He was in heaven with the Father, but look what it says, verse 14, "...and the Word was made flesh." And dwelt where? Among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Listen, Jesus Christ, the Word, was with God, yet He was willing to leave the comforts of heaven to go where the need was. And you know where the need was? Where there was people. Amen. And the same is true today is that for missionaries, you know what missionaries must do? They must leave the comforts of their home to go where the need is. Amen? You know what we must do as Christians? By the way, you know what? We're all missionaries, are we not? Again, where's the mission field where there's people? And so if there's people, then there's a mission field. And you know what we must do as Christians? If we're going to obey the Savior, obey the Great Commission, hey, we must leave the comforts of the church house. Amen? By the way, I love the church house. I love being here. I love I love being with God's people. I love the fellowship. But listen, we're not going to reach the world staying within the walls of the church house. Amen? You know what we've got to do? We've got to go. We've got to go where the need is. And that's exactly what Jesus was willing to do. He set the ultimate example by leaving His heavenly home to come to where the need was. The great missionary of yesteryear, David Livingston, that great missionary to Africa, here's what he said. Man, this is a good quote. God had only one son 
and he was a missionary. Amen? God had only one son, and he was a missionary. So number one, Jesus left the comforts of his home to go where the need was. Number two, why is Jesus the greatest loving missionary ever? How about this? He laid aside riches for poverty. He laid aside riches for... Hey, he traded heaven's glory for a manger and a stable. He traded the riches of heaven and spent the time on earth with no place to lay his head. He left where he had everything to live in poverty. You know one of the greatest things Satan tries to use to keep people from being involved in missions and and, uh, trying to uh, keep young people off the mission field? You know what it's called? Materialism. And it's, it's a false God in America. Amen? We worship things. We worship stuff. What did Jesus say about that, by the way? He addressed it quite a bit. Here's what He said. He says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And that word mammon means money. It means stuff. Amen? And listen, you've got to choose who your God is. Now, God's not against us having stuff, but He is against stuff having us. Amen? He's against us loving stuff more than loving Him and obeying Him. And in the context of what we're preaching this morning, uh, going out and getting the gospel to people. Amen? But Jesus laid all that aside. And He was willing to come to where uh, what He left to what He came to. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Amen? We're talking about Jesus Christ, literally the focal point of all creation. The Bible tells us without Him, uh, uh, by Him all things consist. Amen? Listen to me, folks. If it wasn't for Jesus, and if He would will it, everything would just poof, disappear. Amen? Because of who He is and the power He has. He went from being the focal point of all creation, sitting there uh, beside His Father, uh, there at the right hand of the Father on His throne, and all of heaven adored Him, all of heaven worshipped Him, coming to this earth. Imagine that. Where he was misunderstood, he was despised, he was rejected, he was called horrible things, treated in horrible ways. But you know what, folks? He did it because of why? He loved us. That's why. Amen? He laid aside those things. How about this? Number three, Jesus arrived to little earthly fanfare. You know, when a missionary arrives on the mission field, you know what? I can tell you this. They're not going to be welcome with the parade. They're not going to be given the key to the city by a foreign mayor, embraced as a celebrity, as maybe a dignitary might be. Listen, folks, you know what? It was the same for Jesus Christ. Except for just a few shepherds. And, and uh, of course, the angels announced the birth to the shepherds. Think about this. Not a lot of people were there to welcome the Savior into the world. Right? By the way, that's the way it was supposed to be. That's the way God allowed it to be. Heaven's choir sang, and they rejoiced. But for the most part... Earth missed the fact that the very uh, King of glory had come and dwelt in their midst. And folks, let me just say this. You know what that teaches us? Is that we can't be in this thing for what people do or, or do or don't think about us. Amen? I mean, if we're in this for a pat on the back, if we're in this so we can, you know, uh, be popular, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to make it long. Amen? Because if you haven't noticed, Christianity, should I say this, biblical Christianity, amen? Because unfortunately, Christianity has become a generic term. Uh, you know, everybody wants to you know, throw Christian onto something. But truth be told, biblical Christianity is not very popular in this world. I just got a, a, a video yesterday, Miss Carol sent me, about what our neighbors to the north are doing in Canada and uh, passing laws. And, and I'm going to tell you, folks, the reason they're passing those laws, they're coming after Bible-believing Christians. 
passing laws made an outlaw what they call conversion therapy where you can't do anything to try to uh, turn someone, confront them with the sin, amen. And by the way, that's exactly what is the sin of sodomy, the sin of transgenderism, the sin of all this wicked abomination going on in our culture. Let me tell you, it's against the law. You can be thrown in jail for trying to convert. They literally call it conversion therapy. It's exactly what they call it. Making outlawing that. And by the way, you say, oh, well, that, well, that's there. This is here. Coming to a city near us. I can tell you that, folks. I'm going to tell you, folks, it's coming down the pike. Amen? And if we're in it for that, we're in it for the wrong reasons. Listen to me, folks. You know what? This world is hostile toward Bible-believing Christians. By the way, you know what? Jesus said, they hated me. They're going to hate you. I wouldn't get nervous when the world doesn't like you. I'd get nervous when they start buddying and buddying up with you. That's what would make me nervous. Amen? Because let me tell you, folks, I'm not here to uh, see how popular I can be. I'm here to, to preach a message and try to lift up Christ. And truth be told, folks, listen to me. We know how this thing ends. It's not going to get better until it gets worse. It will get better when King Jesus comes and He rules and reigns, but there's got to be a lot of bad things that happen before them. And unfortunately, folks, listen to me, I'm not saying we shouldn't be out there trying. I'm not saying we shouldn't be out there you know, uh, uh, getting the gospel out and doing every, uh, everything we can, but you can't view life with this Pollyannish view that everything's just going to get better. It's not getting better, amen? Normal's not coming back. Jesus is coming back. So Jesus arrived to this earth with little fa- uh, earthly fanfare. Number four, Jesus spent a great deal of His time preaching. A great deal of His time preaching. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 7. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. By the way, that's not a popular message today, repent. Not very popular. What that word repent means? It means to change your mind. Amen. Have a change in mind. Nobody wants to change anything. Well, this is just how I see it, and, and this is just how I am. And, and I'm going to tell you something, folks. Repentance is not a popular message, but it's a Bible message. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Mark chapter 1, verse 38, And He said unto them, Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I, uh, for, for therefore came I forth. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Let me tell you something, folks. Jesus Christ was a preacher. Could you imagine sitting under a sermon that you heard the very Son of God preach? I've heard some great preachers in my time, but I'm going to tell you this, I've never heard of anyone as great as I guarantee what Jesus was. Amen? You talk about a phenomenal preacher. Man, no doubt he knew exactly what to preach. He knew exactly what to say to cut to the hearts of those that were uh, uh, listening to his message. And folks, let me just say this. What's the point of a missionary? Amen? You know what the point of? It's to preach the gospel. Now, I'm not against social things that help people socially. I'm not against, you know, uh, uh, me- uh, medical types of things. I'm not against building buildings and that kind of stuff. But listen to me, folks. The thrust of all that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. In fact, truth be told, you know what? You're Biblically speaking, and again, that's how we define things around here. Biblically speaking, amen? You're not even really a missionary unless you preach the true gospel. You're just a humanitarian worker. 
if you don't get the gospel preached in there. Amen? Because that's what being a missionary is about. It's being on a mission to preach a message, and that message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus spent His life preaching and His ministry preaching. And, and man, He no doubt was a powerful preacher. And by the way, that's why around here, our missions program, we're supporting missionaries who are going to go to wherever their God called them to do to preach the gospel. Amen? To follow the, the biblical pattern, to start churches, disciple converts. I mean, folks, listen to me. That's what a missionary is supposed to do. By the way, you know what we're supposed to be doing as the missionaries in our field? Preaching the gospel. Getting to God, you say, "Well, well, I'm just not called to preach." I didn't listen. Listen to me, folks. You don't have to be called to be a pastor or to the position of a pastor to be able to preach the gospel. By the way, we're all called to preach. The word "preach" just means to tell. Amen. We're to tell what God has done for us, so God can do for others. By the way, here's a fair question for all of us: Did we preach the gospel anybody this week? And when I say preach, I don't mean, you know, get up here and maybe scream, spit, and holler like I do. Amen? That may not be the best method with most people. But I'm talking about telling the gospel. Amen? Getting it out. Handing out gospel tracts. Doing what we can to reach people. Jesus did. And by the way, we should be as well. Number five, why was Jesus the greatest loving missionary ever? How about this? Man, this is good. Jesus was gladly heard by the common man. Let me tell you who his target a people group was. It was the common man. Now, no doubt he touched other people. We read illustrations in the Scripture where he touched rich people. We read illustrations where he touched poor people. But let me tell you, you know who Jesus made his disciples from? The common men. The common men. Sixty-six times in the Gospels, it's said of Christ that he ministered to a multitude of people. Thirteen of those sixty-six times, he said to have preached to the great multitude. Seventeen times, it mentions that he addressed multitudes. And eight of the thirteen times, it said that great multitudes followed him. You know what those multitudes were made up of for the most part? The common man. And you know those who he preached to was the common man. You know why? Because it was the common man who most readily heard and believed. Now, should we witness to everybody? Yes. There's not one person on the face of the earth or one person we come in contact with that that we should not be willing to witness to. And by the way, I mean every people group. I mean people involved in every kind of sin. Okay? Does that mean, preacher, we ought to be witnessing to the sodomites? You better believe it. Yes, we should. By the way, we, we, ought to, we ought to rethink our view about some things, right? We need, we need to stop classifying people, per se, by their sin. Start seeing them how God sees them as people who need Him, amen, and try to get the gospel to them. Now, do I condone, justify their sin? Absolutely not. But let me tell you, it is possible to hate the sin and love the sinner. But our problem is we want to hate the sinner along with the sin. And Jesus did not do that, neither should we, Amen. By the way, that's why it takes being Spirit-filled to be a good witness for Christ. You can't do it in the flesh. Okay? You know why? Because you get the flesh in the way, and the flesh is going to get in there and start thinking things and, and start having prejudices toward people. And that's not what Christ did. Neither should we. Everybody deserves to have the Gospel preached to them. Amen? But let's be honest. Who normally receives it? The common man. I mean, church be told, folks, that's just reality. In fact, it was Jesus Himself who said... It was easier for a rich man, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it was for the rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
So it's the common man, folks, who hear the gospel, mainly receive the gospel, and you know what? That's who Jesus targeted, and he was gladly heard by the common men. You know what? We are all here this morning. Amen. All right, you ready for a little dose of humility? We're all common people. Amen. That's who we are. By the way, I wear that as a badge of honor. Amen. I'm just a common redneck hillbilly from southern Indiana. Amen. That says wash instead of wash, okay? Or whatever else we, extra letters we put in there, right? The common man, those multitudes, man, Jesus targeted them. By the way, think about this. It was the common men who turned the world upside down when Jesus left. It wasn't the religiously scholar of the day who was going out accomplishing great works for God. In fact, for the most part, God set them on a shelf and rejected them. It was the common men that they went out with the power of Christ and literally turned the world upside down. How about this? Jesus engaged, man, this is good. Jesus engaged in spiritual warfare for the minds, bodies, and souls of men, women, and children. Let me tell you what Jesus understood. He understood this business of being a missionary was dealt with a lot in the spirit world. And that's why I'm telling you folks, we've been preaching some on it. I may do some more preaching on it this year. Write it down, Brother Bob. Amen. He keeps track of things when I say, I'm going to preach on this. He keeps track of that for me. Amen. I'm going to tell you folks, this idea of of spiritual warfare is very, very real. Very real. Matthew chapter 8, verse 28 through 29 The Bible gives us a story of Jesus engaging in this. Here's what it said. We won't read the whole passage. I'll just read a portion of it, a very familiar portion. And when he was come to the other side of the country of the the, uh, Gerasians, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? Now, you, you read some, some uh, biographies of some missionaries. And you know what you find out? Missionaries that go into spiritually dark places, guess what they're battling? Spiritually dark forces. I'm going to tell you, folks, this idea, as Christians, Satan wants you living in la-la land. He would rather you not even believe in him than you actually do believe in him, by the way. Because if you won't believe in him, you will have no idea how to battle him. I'm going to tell you, you talk to these missionaries, and you read some of their letters, and and I'm going to tell you, folks, people deal with things that are real. People deal with things that if they were honest, they can't even write about because most people think they'd be crazy. But it's real, it's legit, it's out there. And here's the thing, do our missionaries deal with it? Absolutely. But you know what I'm finding out? The more spiritually dark America's getting, we're dealing with it here. I've dealt with people in southern Indiana that were possessed by demons. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. Truth be told, we're probably interacting with them every day and just may not know it. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be involved in reaching people. You're going to be involved in doing what Jesus did. Listen, you better armor up, amen? You better not even think about walking out of your home every morning unless you spent time before the throne of God putting the armor of God on, armed with the Word of God. Because it is a spiritually dark world out there. I'm going to tell you, if you think those spiritual forces are are just kind of out to just let us do what we want and preach the gospel and steal souls out of the devil's backyard and not hinder us one bit, again, then you got your spiritual head in the sand. I'm going to tell you, any Christian worth worth his salt is involved in spiritual warfare. 
By the way, what's it about? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about souls. That's why. Souls are in the balance. Amen? Souls are upon the balance. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I think we ought to take this thing serious. But let me say this. Praise God. God has given us, through Him, the ability to prevail over this. Let me read you a verse to you here. Matthew chapter 16. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now again, uh, that, that verse right there is not saying that Peter was the first pope, okay? It's not saying that the church was going to be built upon Peter. If you read the whole context of the thing, you find out it's talking about the church was going to be built upon Himself, Jesus Christ. He's the foundation of the church, and the church is built upon Him, and that's why the church can never be destroyed. You know why? The church has promised divine perpetuity because it was founded upon Jesus Christ who is eternal. And you know what? The world, the devil, all the demons of hell have tried to stamp out the church. It never has worked, nor ever will work. Amen? So Jesus said, listen to me, I'm gonna, you're going to build my church upon me, all right? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I've, I've taught you this before, but I love reminding you of this. Think about that, what it's saying. The gates of hell. What are gates used for, folks? They are defensive measures. So you know what that tells us? The church shouldn't be, you know, hold the fort for I am coming. We're not to be waving the white flag of surrender holding the fort. You know what we're to be doing to the church of Jesus Christ? Storming the gates of hell. That's what we're to be doing. We've got to have an offensive mentality when it comes to this thing of missions. We're too passive. We're too passive. But here's what he says. Here's the rest of the part of that says, And I will give unto thee, talking to Peter here, and by the way, it's true because go to the book of Acts, who is instrumental in the church getting off the ground in the book of Acts, who preached the first sermon in the book of Acts where all those people got saved and baptized. you know who it was? Peter. Okay, that's who he's talking about here. I will give thee the, kings, the, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever, no, notice this, spiritual warfare stuff here, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You know what that's talking about, folks? That's talking about our, our weapons of spiritual warfare. Now, let me tell you one of the reasons that I, I, I come very early here on Sunday morning because you know what I'm doing? I'm binding and casting down. As I walk around this room praying on Sunday morning, I literally say it out loud. I, in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, through the Word of God, I bind the evil spirits that will try and hinder what's going to happen here today. I bind the evil spirits of unbelief. I bind, and I just start praying these things out loud. You know what I'm doing? Spiritual warfare. And by the way, listen to me, that's just not what we ought to be doing here on Sunday. This is what we ought to do in every single life, every single day in our own lives. Amen? I'm going to tell you, folks, it's real, it's legit. Jesus was involved in it. And if you're going to make an impact and be a, a, a true missionary, you better be involved in it. Amen? Get your spiritual head out of the sand. Number seven, Jesus was greatly opposed by who? The religious leaders of the day. Let me tell you something, folks. It's so true. Most missionaries find their greatest opposition not from the lost, not from the atheists, not from the reprobates, but from the religious lost. Here's what it says, Matthew 12, verse 14. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. By the way, how'd that work out for him, by the way? Oh, yeah, they crucified him, but they sure didn't destroy him by crucifying him. Amen? All right? 
False religion, I'm going to tell you, it's true. Mark my words, like it, lump it, uh, shout or pout. Here's what it is, you ready? False religion will send more people to hell than any other single thing. I've crunched the numbers, all right? And, and this is just you know my little, little attempt at uh, researching this. But if you crunch it out based upon the major world's populations, okay, as far as re- re- uh, religious groups, all right, from, uh, from, from Islam to uh, uh, Hindus to Buddhism to Catholicism and, and all the other breakdown of, of major religions of the day, 88% of the world's population believe in another way of going to heaven than that through Jesus Christ and Him alone. False religion. By the way, when I drive past a J.W. Hall, when I drive past a Mormon temple or, or any place like that, that I know people aren't preaching the true gospel, it breaks my heart. I pray. You know why? Because there's... there's and a lot of these folks, listen, they are sincere people. Okay? I, I mean, I haven't met a, a J.W. that, you know, wasn't sincere about what they believed. And, and I see these people, my heart breaks for them because, folks, they're not believing the true gospel. I'm not saying you've got to be a Baptist to go to heaven. I'm saying this. You better believe in Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Amen? The gospel is what saves. That's what saves. A church don't save. A denomination don't save. The gospel saves. And I'm not saying you've got to be a Baptist to go to heaven, but you better be a believer in the gospel to go to heaven. And sad to say, folks, most of this world's population do not believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you know what that does then? That creates religion. And by the way, I hate the word religion. I do not consider myself religious. I love using that tagline on people, by the way. You know, I, I'm a, you know, I introduce myself as a preacher or whatever, and, and they start giving me excuses why they don't go to church. And I say, well, you know what? I'm not religious either. They look at you, kind of, what will you do? Aren't you a pastor? Absolutely. But I don't have religion. I have a relationship. Amen. There's a difference between that. Amen. Let me tell you, religion is what opposes true biblical Christianity. And sad to say, folks, more people is going to be in hell because of that than any other thing. How about this? Number eight, Jesus practiced mass evangelism, but specialized in personal discipleship. Let me tell you, you see Jesus preaching to the multitudes. You see Him uh, leading many people to Him. But let me say this, folks. He understood something that, uh, yes, you preach to the masses, but then you must invest in smaller groups to then go on to be able to help disciple the masses. Amen? Personal discipleship. By the way, that all to the, all the, the parts of the Great Commission, it's a threefold commission. All right, it's not just preach the gospel. That's part of it, amen. But then after the gospel's preached, we're to baptize. Now, does baptism save? Absolutely not, amen. But baptism is the first step of obedience that associates us with Jesus Christ, and every true born again believer ought to be willing and should be baptized, amen. No power in those baptismal waters to get you to heaven, but it's what God asked for us to do, commanded for us to do, and it's the first step of obedience. So we're to preach the gospel, win people to Christ, baptize them, and then guess what? There's another part that says this, teaching them. Right? Teaching them. And listen, folks, we we have a responsibility, spiritual responsibility to people we lead to Christ to invest in their lives and teach them. By the way, you you know what that takes? Time. You know what that takes? patience. And you know you got to be willing to be involved in that. But you know what? Jesus did it. And because of that, He turned those, those, those rough, cussing, uh, rough around the edge fishermen into men that later on turned the world upside down for Him. Amen? And I wonder how much uh, God could do if we would just invest in people. Take the time out of our 
busy lives, right, and invest in people. Amen. By the way, you know what? I had someone call me this week about an opportunity, a ministry opportunity. And, and he asked me, he said, what do you think about it? And here's what I said. I said, you know what? If I'm too busy to invest in people, I'm too busy. Nothing else matters, folks, truth be told, than investing in the people God wants for us to invest in. Now understand, I, this is what I do full time, okay? This is what I've been called to do. I'm probably going to have more time in it than you can, but I will say this, all of us ought to be investing personally into people. All of us ought to be, amen? Jesus did it, we ought to do it. And that's why He's the greatest loving missionary ever. How about this? Number nine, Jesus gave His life for those He came to save. Man, I love the verses. For sake of time, I won't even read them all. But notice what it says here. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Again, folks, we're living in such a selfish generation. Everybody's all about, well, what can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? I want someone to do this for me. How about this? Why don't you do something for somebody else? I mean, come on. Jesus, the very Son of God who literally had every right to everybody minister to Him because He's God, but that's not why He came. He didn't come to be ministered to, but to minister. And if He could do it, what's our stinking excuse for not doing it? Amen? He gave His life for those He came to save. Listen to me, church. Never hold back your life. Never hold it back. By the way, you know what? Your life, my life, is so temporal, it's so fleeting... I mean, our life, the Bible describes it as a vapor. Why don't you just take your vapor, that little vapor life you have, and give it to God, amen? Hey, do what Jesus did. Give your life a ransom for many. Life a ransom for many. This week, heaven welcomed into its gates a, a man who did just that. A man you probably never heard of before, but man, he was a faithful man. His name was Don Green. And I've never met Brother Green, but I'm going to tell you, Brother Green was a man of God. Let me tell you, anybody that's ever met Brother Green knew he was a man of God. This man, I think, was in his 90s and couldn't do a whole lot, but this guy spent about six hours a day in prayer praying for people. I'm going to tell you, he, he was, he was a, a warrior for God. Brother Green entered heaven uh, this week. You think for one second he spent his, you know, whatever God gave him, 80, 90 years. You think there's any regrets in his life today? You know why? Because he gave his life a ransom for many. And I get it, folks. We're not Jesus, amen? But we sure can emulate Him, and we won't do it as good as He did, but we ought to allow His love and His compassion and His power to flow through us and impact other people for Him. And then last of all, how about this? We're going to close on this. This is good. Jesus was resurrected and received a great heavenly welcome. Let me tell you something, folks, what ought to motivate us, amen? What ought to motivate us, what ought to help us get us through those hard days, what are to help us deal with the hardships of this life and the persecutions and, and all the different things we got to deal with? Although I hate to even say that word persecution because we're Americans, right? But you know what? What possibly could be what other people are dealing with all around the world? You know what helps you get through those things? That we keep our eye on the prize. Amen? I mean, we understand what's coming ahead. We understand that, you know what? Life isn't all there is. There's coming a day of resurrection. Amen? And if we've been faithful, not just a day of resurrection, but a day of heavenly reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. And every man shall receive his own reward, uh, receive his own reward according to his own labor. And folks, let me tell you, we ought to be involved in missions, yes, for the, because we ought to be obedient. We ought to be involved in missions because of the compassion and love we have for others. But you know what? I don't think it's a bad motivation to want to be involved in missions because you know what? Heaven's waiting, and if we're faithful, a reward is also. Amen? 
I mean, come on, folks. Listen, use biblical principles to keep you motivated, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's why you ought to spend every day in the Bible. Spend every day in the Word of God. God will give you things that will help you, help motivate you to go throughout the day and live for God and go on and reach people and impact people for Him. Amen? So Jesus Christ, the greatest loving missionary ever. By the way, you know why Jesus Christ was that? You know what motivated Him? What, what, what spurred Him on? His love for us. I mean, come on, folks, he didn't have to do what he did, right? He could have stayed up in heaven. Every single, single sinner would, would have died and gone to hell, and God would have been just and right in allowing it to be so because we deserve it. Jesus didn't have to come, but he did because he loved us. Amen? Let me say this. If we're going to be involved in missions, let me tell you that the motivating factor is the love of God. Amen? It's because we understand that God loves us, And then number two, we understand that we love Him, want to be obedient to Him. And by the way, I'll tell you what's interesting. It doesn't come natural having a love for people. I can tell you that. That's not natural. Especially for people you don't even know. Okay? Natural. You know what's natural? Selfishness. Okay, that's natural. All right? Living our own life, only doing what's comfortable for us, that's natural. Amen? But I'm going to tell you, you, you allow the Holy Spirit of God to flow through you, empower you, the love of God will start flowing through you, and God will use you to impact other people. There's nothing like it. Amen? So, hey, once you just uh, decide you're going to jump all into this thing called missions, amen? Hey, the water's fine. Just come in head first, right? And it's going to be good, amen? You'll be glad you did. And throughout this month, in fact, uh, Lord willing, the last Sunday of the month, as I preach, I'm going to talk to you very practically about how we as a church, a White River Baptist Church, can be involved in missions. I'm going to explain to you exactly what it is. It's not, you're not going to leave here thinking, what was the preacher talking about when he was saying that? I'll be very detailed, tell you exactly what we can do. And listen, let's all do our part, amen, to emulate the greatest loving missionary ever. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning.